Amen. Let's put our hands together and just celebrate the Lord again. So grateful for this worship team. So glad you're here. Hey, listen, uh, let's just start out with a little bit of a game today. I need your help with something. This is your opportunity to talk in church, all right? So a lot of times people talk when we don't want them to, and then they don't talk when we want them to. This is an opportunity for you, all right? It's gonna be a little game. We're gonna call it one word summary, all right? One word summary. So I'm gonna give a phrase or a word, and then the first word that comes to your mind that summarizes where you think about that phrase or word, you just say it out loud. Say it out loud for everybody to hear, all right? Some of you look so confused right now. Uh, so let me give you an example. So if you were to say to me, the Connitz family, I'm gonna say favorite. I'm gonna say favorite, all right? Now, some days I might say hate them, I, but I, you know, favorite is today, all right? Uh, so has everybody got it? Say uh-huh. All right, so here it goes. First one is this, uh, fast food. I heard somebody say Jack in the Box. Okay, so, so yummy. I heard Chick-fil-A, some Jesus chicken there. Um, all right, how about this, uh, candy bar? I heard names and I heard somebody say, good, all right, good. We know, we know what you're about. All right, going to the movies. Uh, some of y'all are following the popcorn train right now. All right, um, college football. In every service, there was a whoop. That's not a word, all right? And someone was like, and this is, I literally had an Aggie tell me afterwards, it is a word because we put it on t-shirts. Like, just because you can spell it doesn't mean it's a word. All right, um, and so uh, how about this one, Dallas Cowboys? Hey, listen, I should have said no four-letter words, all right? No four, uh, so, all right, so here's, here's a serious one, Easter. So Jesus has been kind of the common uh, uh, theme of the weekends. Let me just give you my word. So if I was gonna give you a one-word summary of Easter, here's my word, life. Easter is about life. I mean, just think about the Easter story. Jesus is crucified. Uh, he is put to death on a Roman cross, taken off the cross, put in a tomb, laid there for three days, lifeless, no, no life whatsoever. But on that first Easter Sunday, life re-entered the lifeless body of Jesus. And because life returned to him, life can be had by us. So that's my word, life. This is really what Easter is all about. And this is good news for us because here's something I think we all share in common in the room. All of us contemplate life. All of us think about life. I mean, we all at some point, even probably more on a regular basis than we understand, think about quality of life, thinking about the meaning and the purpose of life. We think about ways to lengthen our life or have a better life or what am I doing with my life? So life is something we think about quite often and I think we even see this in the culture around us. When you think about marketing and, and the way that people advertise, there, there's this, this um, way in which they are communicating, hey, we can sell you not just this product, but life. And typically, when we think about life, we think about it either uh, one of two ways. We measure our life and the life that we have either quantitatively or qualitatively. We either look at our life and we measure it by how much life I have how much life I've lived, how many days I have left, how I've used my life, and so we measure our life by the length and how much of life we have. Or we measure our life qualitatively or the quality of life, how good life is. And, and am I enjoying life? Am I living a full life? What's my experience in life? And, and I love the way marketing kind of plays toward this, both the, the, the quantity and the quality of life. Just think about advertisements. 
they're really not selling you the product, they're selling you life, and they're trying to say this right here. So quality of life, here's what they say. Well, if you'll drive this car, if you'll live in this neighborhood, if you'll have this appliance, if you'll have this piece of technology, if you'll go to this gym, if you'll take these supplements, if you'll drink this drink, if you live this kind of lifestyle, then you will have a better, happier, fuller, more meaningful life. Or they'll say this, if you need to go see this doctor, you need to take these vitamins, you need to join a gym, you need to cut these out of your life and add these into your life if you're going to lengthen your life. And so, so many people in our culture are looking for life and we're looking for it in ways that are either gonna improve our life or lengthen our life. And this is the good news of Easter is that Jesus has come to give us life. Listen to me, he has come to give us both quantity life and quality life. And what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna see this in the scripture. So grab your Bibles if you would. Let's go to John chapter 17. John uh, 17 is where we're gonna be this morning. Let me give you the backdrop of John 17. Uh, Jesus is on his way to the cross. And when I say on, my, on his way to the cross, like he's literally on his way to the cross. He is hours away from being arrested. He's hours away um, from being betrayed by those who followed him. He's hours away from being beaten and whipped and ultimately crucified. And here's what John 17 records. The hours before Jesus goes to the cross, he slips away and he prays to the Father. And he spends some time with the Father. And in this, we're not gonna read the whole uh, prayer of Jesus, but in John 17, we see that Jesus prays for himself. He prays for God's mission. He prays for his disciples, immediate disciples, Peter, James, and John, and the rest of them. He also prays for you and me. But at the very beginning of his prayer, Jesus, in his prayer, articulates the purpose that he came and what he came to offer you and me in regards to eternal life. If you would, let's jump in. John chapter 17, if you're there, say the Bible is true. We believe the Bible is true here at New Beginnings. John 17, verse one, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh. Now listen to this next phrase, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Now I want you to hear this. Jesus is very clearly stating here that Jesus came to give eternal life. That Jesus came to give eternal life. In this passage, Jesus is describing his death and resurrection. He is talking about what he's about to do, but more importantly, what he's about to accomplish in doing that. And what Jesus is going to accomplish, he's gonna make eternal life available because he came to give eternal life. Now listen, this is important that we understand this. Jesus came to give you life. Not life by our standard, but life by his standard, and he calls his life eternal, eternal life. And I think this is missed on us so often in our culture. See, for so many people, when they think of a life of following Jesus, when they think about what it means to be a Christian and be a good Christian, most of the time when, when you ask someone, what does it mean to be a Christian? Typically, we're gonna say things like this. Well, I, I can't say certain words and I can't go certain places. I can't do certain things. I need to avoid certain thoughts. There are activities that I need to try to stay away from. And we typically really assess Christianity and what it means to follow Christ about the things that we can't do. But listen to me, Jesus came not to subtract life, but to actually add life. He did not come to take away life, but to give life. 
And so when you think about following Christ, we've gotta change our mindset. Following Jesus is not about what I don't get to do, it's about the privilege of what he gives me, which is life eternal, that's found in him, in him alone. And this is a completely different way of viewing what it means to be a disciple or a Christian. It means to have life that he came to give us. Now, this is important here. And this fact, this is, I would say, for New Beginnings Baptist Church, this is the focus of our ministry. God has taken us on a journey this past year, and we have uh, laid out a new mission statement. So the mission of New Beginnings is simply this. We are people connecting people to Jesus and his ever-restoring life where we live, work, and play. In other words, we as a church, we, were, we are a people who want to be obsessed with growing in our understanding of the ever-restoring life in Christ, that Jesus came to give life, and we want everybody we come in contact to know the ever-restoring life that's found in Jesus. And the reason, listen, the reason that Jesus came to give eternal life is because of our sin, our sin has created a separation between us and God and therefore we have been cut off from life. You see, we were created for eternity. That eternity is found in a relationship with God and because of our sin, we have been cut off from the source of life. That relationship has been severed. And, and the result of that is now, though we were made for eternal life, we now actually live without Jesus in a state of eternal death. But Jesus came so that he could take our death and give us life. So how in the world does he do this? If eternal life is what he came to give and my sin has broken the relationship, then how can I experience this eternal life? I want you to go back to verse one and two. And I want you to see what Jesus says here. Look again at this verse. He says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, now don't miss this, Father, the hour has come glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Let me just give you a, a summary statement then I'll un, unpack it. So listen, Jesus came to give eternal life and eternal life is available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus came to give eternal life but eternal life is only available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Let me uh, show you what I mean here. Back in this uh, text here, the father the hour has come. When Jesus opens up his prayer, the very first line really helps us understand what Jesus came to do. When he says the hour has come, this is a statement where Jesus is, is, is acknowledging his divine mission. In other words, he is saying, God the Father, to God the Father, the reason you sent me is here. The purpose for which I have come to planet Earth is here. You see, in the Old Testament, God promised that he would send a savior. Because of our sin and a separation and now we live in a broken world, humanity needs a redeemer, we need a savior and God promised he would send one. And for years and years and years, God's people were waiting for the, for the savior to come, the promised one to come. And here's what we believe, that Jesus is that savior. And Jesus is acknowledging when he says the hour has come, he is referring to the cross. He is referring to his death and resurrection. The hour has come. The promise that God made to humanity that he would once and for all allow redemption to be experienced and eternal life to be known once again. Jesus is saying the hour has come. I am coming to this defining moment of my life where I am gonna get on a cross and I'm gonna die for the sins of humanity and I'm gonna resurrect from the grave so that humanity might be restored to God once again. The hour has come, and then he says this. He says, glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Now watch this. When he says glorify the son, 
that the Son may glorify the Father, Jesus is talking about the glory that he would receive through his death and resurrection. You see, Jesus' death, here's what glorifies Jesus in his death, that when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus died for the payment of sin's penalty. He's paying the price for our sin. Every single one of us are sinners and we have violated God's righteousness and our sin has, has resulted in a, a consequence, a punishment, a payment that we owe God that we can't pay. But Jesus is glorified in that he goes to the cross and he dies so that his death being sufficient pays the full penalty of our sin. So Jesus is glorified in his death and that he pays the penalty of your sin. He's also glorified in his resurrection. Because of sin, we are held captive by death. But in the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is glorified in that he breaks the power of death that has held us captive. And so when Jesus says, glorify the son, this is what he's referring to. Allow what I'm about to do be enough. Glorify me as I pay the price for sin. Glorify me as I resurrect from the grave to defeat the power of death that has held humanity captive. And then he says that the son might glorify the father. Now what does he mean there? You see, this is the beauty of the gospel. This is what blows me away at the infinite wisdom of God. You see, God is a God of righteousness, he's a God of holiness, he's a God of justice, and here's what that simply means, is that God in his perfection cannot let sin go unpunished. He has to punish it, because if he's gonna remain holy and righteous, and he's gonna execute justice, then he has to deal with the sin of humanity. His judgment has to come if his holiness and his righteousness and his justice is gonna be upheld. But at the same time, God is also gracious, and he's loving, and he's full of kindness and mercy. So how in the world does God execute justice and defend his holiness and his righteousness and at the same time express his love and his grace and his mercy? He does that through the cross and the resurrection. You see, God is glorified through the death and resurrection of Jesus. He's glorified in the death of Jesus in that, that Jesus' death on the cross displays the righteousness of God. It displays the holiness of God. It displays the justice of God. While at the same time, the fact that Jesus is the one that pays the price, it also displays God's grace and his love and his mercy. The death of Jesus that Jesus received for us brings glory to the Father because God gets to display his infinite love for humanity at the same time vindicating his own righteousness, his holiness, and his justice. Are you, you with me? This is the beauty of what Christ came to do. Now listen, and it is through this and this alone that Jesus has made eternal life available, his death and resurrection. You see, here, here's the problem. So I want you to think about it like this. You see, when we think about our own sin and what sin has created, and we think about what Christ's death and resurrection has created, here's, here's what we come to learn. I want you to listen to this statement. Listen, our temporary life of sin has produced eternal death, but Jesus' temporary death for sin has provided eternal life. You see, our temporary life of sin, what's the result? It's death, right? Eternal death. The Romans chapter six, verse 23, Paul writes this. He says, for the wages of sin is what? It's death, it's eternal death. So our temporary life of sin has produced eternal death. But what does Paul go on to say in Romans six twenty-three? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So our temporary life of sin has produced death, but Jesus' temporary death for sin has provided eternal life. Anybody excited about that this morning? 
This is what Christ has come to accomplish. And listen, so he came to give eternal life, but eternal life is only available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's why this morning is so significant in the history of humanity. So here's the question. If Jesus came to give eternal life, and eternal life is available through the death and resurrection of Jesus, in other words, eternal life is so valuable that it required God in the flesh to die and be resurrected to give it to us. We gotta ask ourselves the question, what is then eternal life? Like, what is eternal life? If Jesus came to give eternal life, what is eternal life? Now, I know for some of you, you're like filling in the blanks. But before you do that, I, I wanna kind of help you. I think for many of us, we, we think, when we think of eternal life, we only think of heaven. We think of eternal, eternal life in, in regards to, this is what I get when I die. I get eternal life. I get to go to heaven. And while heaven is a part of eternal life, hear me say this, and I'm gonna show you in the scriptures, eternal life is not heaven. Heaven is a part of eternal life. But eternal life is so much more than, than this thing that I get to, to go to, this place I get to go to when this life is over. It's so much more than that. You say, where do you get that? Well, Jesus answers this question for us. What is eternal life? Look what he says in verse number three. And this is eternal life. So Jesus is gonna make it explicitly clear. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So according to Jesus, listen to me, eternal life is a relationship with God through Jesus. That's what eternal life is. Eternal life, listen to me, isn't a destination I'm going to when this life is over, but a relationship I enter into now with God that will last forever. It's a relationship. That's why, if you go back to that verse here, Jesus makes the statement. He says, he says this is eternal life, that they may know you. Now, this word know is so significant. In the, in the original language, the word know here is the Greek word gnosko, and this is why that's so important. So for many of us, we look at the word know and we just think knowledge. We, we, listen, we think information. But this word know in the original language doesn't mean information. It doesn't mean just general knowledge. It means relationship. It means to have an intimate acquaintance it's to have personal fellowship. It is to know someone at the deepest level. That's what the word means. So Jesus is saying, this is eternal life, that they may know you, they may be an acquaintance of you, that they may have fellowship with you, that they might be in an intimate relationship with you. That's what this word means. I love what one theologian said, Arthur Pink. He says this about, he's commentating about the word gnosko, this word here that Jesus uses. He says, knowledge spoken of here is not speculative, but practical. It's not theoretical, but experiential. It's not intellectual, but spiritual. Eternal life consists in knowing, living on, having communion with, and enjoying endless satisfaction in the triune God through one mediator who is Jesus Christ. That's what eternal life is. In essence, Jesus is saying, this is life. You wanna know what life is? You wanna find life that is true and meaningful? Jesus says this, this is life. Life is a relationship with me. It's knowing me, it's hearing my voice, it's walking with me, it's loving me. It's a, it's a relationship that you begin now and it lasts for all eternity. Listen to me, being a Christian is not merely knowing about Jesus or just believing in Jesus. Being a Christian and 
Experiencing eternal life is more than just praying a prayer and being religious. It's a relationship that we have now through Christ with our creator. It's a relationship. And see, and this is what I believe for so many people that are gathering in churches every single Sunday, specifically even Easter Sunday, all over America, there are gonna be people gathering in and what they have is an informational relationship with Jesus, a factual relationship with Jesus, but they don't have a gnosko relationship with Jesus. They've never entered into a relationship with him. But this is what eternal life is. Jesus is saying, listen, it's a personal relationship where you walk with me and you enjoy me and you fellowship with me and you worship me now, will you surrender to me today? And I love this. this is, that means that eternal life is both for the here and now and the there and then. That's what eternal life is. It's not a destination. It's a relationship. And here's why, here's why this is important. Listen, that means that that's what eternal life is. Listen, this is why eternal life is both a quality relationship and a quantity relationship. That's why life that Jesus offers brings both a quality to our life and a quantity. You say, what do you mean, quality? This isn't, do you realize, eyes right here just for a second. If you're new to New Beginnings, that shouldn't be, that'll be new to you, but those who are normally here, I always say, hey, eyes right here, all right? Eyes right here just for a second. Do you realize in this room, every single human in this space right now, we have one thing in common, and it is simply this. God created every single one of us for one primary purpose. And we all share that primary purpose. No matter what you do for a living, what your background is, what your perspective in life is, it doesn't matter. One primary purpose. And that primary purpose trumps every other thing that we do with our life, with our family, for God. Listen, here's the primary purpose we exist. It is to know our creator. It is to live in relationship. Do you realize today that you were created for this? You were created to know him, to enjoy him, to fellowship with him, to walk with him, to submit and live a life of obedience to him, to love him, to be loved by him, to worship him, and to make him known as you get to know him. The world around you might experience him as well. This is your purpose. And so when Jesus says, listen, I came to give you eternal life, He is saying, I came to give you the life you were created for. I came to give you the very purpose for your existence. The reason there is is breath in your body and life right now, you have a reason to live and that reason primarily is to know him and enjoy him in a relationship. And Jesus is saying, I came to give you that. You see, if this is our purpose for living, here's what that means for us. Everything else in this life that we pursue to try to find life in, it will never be enough. It'll never be enough. Like if my purpose for living, the primary reason God created me is to know him, that means no matter what I do, how much I have, who I know, what I accomplish, none of those things really matter and none of them can ever settle the aching of the human soul because I was not created for the creation, I was created for the creator and if I don't have the creator, it doesn't matter how much creation I have, it'll never be enough. This is why so many people live their life in this perpetual pursuit for the next thing, regardless of what that next thing is. The next phase in life, the next big purchase, the next career move, the next kid we're gonna add to the family, the next kid we're gonna graduate from the family. 
the next trip we're gonna go on. Many of us, that's how we live our life, from the posture of what's next. You know why? Because what's now doesn't satisfy. That can only be found in Jesus. Nothing this world has over, and I think this is the great problem of the human heart, is that we were created for this. We can't fix it ourselves, and so we try to fill this void with the things of this world. I remember when Pirates of the Caribbean, a long time ago this movie was released, there's still a quote and a line in this movie that I just, I think about, when I think about this this pursuit that we have of just more stuff. I remember in the movie there was this dialogue, and in my words, the, the, the pirate was explaining the, the, the curse that they have. And this curse is, is what I would call a perpetual longing for, for things that can't satisfy. And this is what he said. The pirate in this movie says this. He says, the more we drink, the more we wanna drink. The more we eat, the more we're hungry. The more we take, the more we want. And he's basically said, we, we live this endless, eternal life of never being able to be satisfied in our soul. And I don't think the movie intended to do this, but I, I really believe they're articulating the great curse of sin on humanity. This is the life that we live without Jesus. But Jesus comes and says, I can give you what satisfies, and that's me. I'm coming to give you what matters most, and that's the purpose for living on planet Earth. So it's quality of life, it's also quantity of life. You say, what do you mean? You see, once you enter into a relationship with Jesus, listen, everything changes and it changes forever. You enter into eternal life. When you begin a relationship with Jesus, you receive eternal life. That's a relationship with God through Jesus and that starts now and it lasts for all eternity. So no matter how many days you've lived, which is a nice way for me saying, no matter how old you are, or how many days you have left, here is the great news for you. No matter how long your life, no matter how much life you have in front of you, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you're living in eternal life now, and guess what? There is no expiration date on your relationship with God. Isn't that great? It's the source of life you were created, quality. And that quality brings a quantity because this, this, this life-giving relationship with Jesus, once it begins, it never ends, ever. Your body physically has an expiration date. Your relationship with Jesus, if you're in Christ, doesn't. Isn't that great news? Amen. You realize this, everything else, though, that we try to find life in, it has an expiration date. Everything. Everything. The vacation that you're dreaming about, guess what? There's gonna be a last day where you pack up the suitcases and you go back. That job that, that you worked so hard, you climbed that ladder, guess what? There's gonna be somebody else eventually sitting in your seat. You say, well, you know, what about the things that I buy? Well, that house that you've worked so hard to live in, it's gonna be owned by somebody else eventually and they're probably gonna gut the whole thing and remodel it. That car that you, you're driving, that you're like, ah, oh, that, that's that new smell. That new smell is gonna be replaced in our household with stuff from the kids, right? You say, well, I don't, I don't wanna put, I don't find life in stuff, Pastor. I, I find it in relationships. Yeah, those have an expiration date as well. That loved one's gonna die or you're gonna die. Those kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna leave home. Every, listen to me. Everything we try to find life in outside of Jesus, listen, it has an expiration date. The only relationship that doesn't is what you have in Jesus.
You know what that means for us? I don't know if you've ever thought about this. The, um, you ever contemplated what happens when a person dies, a believer, a Christian? I think all of us at some point have, have thought about death and, and there's a lot, a lot of question marks, but here's the thing. This is what's amazing about what we're celebrating and, and what Jesus has come to give us, this eternal relationship that starts now and lasts for forever. Death for a believer is something we no longer have to fear. Why? Because the relationship we have because of Jesus doesn't have an expiration date. So that means, listen, I have eternal life now. And I get to enjoy Jesus and walk with Jesus and experience life now. And when my time comes to pass away for a believer, you realize this? Listen, it it is literally death for the believer. It doesn't have to be feared. Listen, it's a blink. It's the beating of a heart. And I'm, I'm in one dimension of relationship with Jesus. And in a second, and a blink of an eye, and the beating of a heart, I'm stepping into a new, new, fuller relationship with Jesus. Like Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For a believer, listen, it's just stepping in one realm of relationship into a fuller realm of relationship, and there is no interruption to the relationship. Therefore, listen, there's nothing to be afraid of. Why? Because Jesus died, and he resurrected, and he came to give eternal life, and that eternal life is found in his death and resurrection, which means in him, we enter into a relationship with him that will never end. I've been in the room more times than I can count through the years with a family, a loved one is dying. And I'm telling you, I've been in rooms where there is weeping and there is sadness because they're saying goodbye. But when those tears and that sadness is beside the bed of a believer, a brother or sister in Christ, there is also at the same time a sweetness and a hope that transcends the moment. Because we understand that this this death is just a passing from one life relationship to the real eternal life relationship. Listen to me, that's not true for an unbeliever. For for an unbeliever, listen, if, if eternal life is a relationship with Jesus. That means if you don't relationship with Jesus, you don't have eternal life. See, the Bible says because of our sin, we're spiritually dead. So we, we are spiritually dead. And if we live this life spiritually dead, what does it mean to be spiritually dead? It means you're cut off from a relationship with your creator. And there's nothing you can do. A dead person cannot resurrect himself. If you stay in that condition, death is something to be feared because you're gonna move from one lifeless experience into a final, fuller, lifeless experience for all eternity. There is life without Jesus now, and when your life ends, the blink of an eye, the beating of a heart, you're gonna step into an an experience for eternity where you will be cut off, listen, and consciously aware that you don't have life. That's a reality. And I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this, this is truth. Eternal life is a relationship with God that starts now and it lasts forever. And the good news is, is that though we may have some in the room today who are eternally dead because of your sin and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, listen, you can get that settled. That's why Jesus came, amen? And this is the hope that we have. And this reality drives us, listen, to answer the the most important question we could ever answer today, this Easter. And it's not, what am I gonna wear to Easter Sunday? Or where are we gonna eat for Easter lunch or dinner? 
The most fundamental question we could answer in the room right now is this question. Do I have eternal life? According to Jesus, do I have eternal life? Not according to what you think eternal life is, but do I have a relationship? Jesus defines eternal life as a relationship. Do I have this? I want you to go back to verse three. I want you to see and make sure we answer this question correctly. Look back at what Jesus says. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Jesus says that they may know you. To know Jesus is to be in a relationship. Remember the gnosko, it's an intimate relationship, to have a friendship, to walk with, to love and enjoy and be satisfied in. That's what it means to have eternal life, that they may know you, gnosko, not information, not facts, not spiritual, religious stuff. I'm talking a relationship where you've been transformed by Jesus. That's what it means to have eternal life. I'll illustrate it like this. My, my grandpa Connitz, um, he passed away a, uh, a year before I was born. And because my, my father and, and the family has honored him so well, man, I could tell you so many things about my grandfather that I never met. I could tell you about his childhood and his love for horses, and he was unbelievable at, at, um, at, at, at riding his horse. He, he literally, they would tell stories about him riding through a field, and his sister would be uh, on her way to school, and he would come up beside her without even slowing down and pick her up and put her on the back of the horse and just ride off. I mean, this guy was just unbelievable. He was also a bright mind. He could make anything with his hands. He designed and built Boats. He helped build buildings. He was a part of holiday manufacturing whenever they were getting started with the holiday inns. Worked so hard, loved his family. He was, stories I've heard, he would light up a room. Every room he walked in. One liner after one liner, always the life of the party. I could tell you that he loved his family, provided for his family that he was the friend that every friend wants. I could go on and on and on. If we had a picture album, I could tell you even the stories of what, those, what was happening in those pictures. But here's the reality. I've never met my grandfather. So I know a lot of his story. And I have a lot of affection for him. And I could spend hours telling you facts about his life, but the truth is I've never hugged his neck. He's never spoken my name. I've never had a conversation with him. I've not once in my entire life experienced anything of a personal connection with him, but I know about him. And here's my great fear that in this room, there are many of you in this room that your relationship with Jesus is just like my relationship with Grandpa Connitz is that you know the facts and you know the stories and there may even be affection and may even, yeah, Jesus lived and he died and I'm grateful for that. But the truth is you've never been transformed by a relationship with him. You say, what does that look like? Well, the scripture says to enter in this relationship with Jesus, it requires that we repent. That means that we stop living life for ourselves, stop living life of of our own will and, and desires and we turn from that and we actually pursue him with our life. And what happens is when we repent, what we're doing is we're acknowledging, Jesus, my, my sin keeps me from you. 
It severed the relationship, but I believe you died and you resurrected and life is found in you and you alone. And I'm turning away from finding life in anything else. And I'm finding it in you and you alone. And I'm gonna surrender where the relationship that I have with you is gonna be where you are my Lord, you are my King. I want you to transform me. And the scripture says this, when this happens, this is how gnosko happens. This is how this knowing him in a relationship happens. The scripture says that when we come to that place, we turn and we turn to him and say, I want a relationship. I want my life to be transformed. Jesus in John chapter three says it like this. He says, you're born again. Now what that simply means is that you are born brand new. Nicodemus in John chapter three comes to Jesus and he's, Jesus, I want eternal life. And Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, unless a man is born again, he can't enter the kingdom of God. He can't have eternal life. And friends, I wanna tell you this morning, there are some of you that have a lot of religion, but you've never been born again. You say, what does that mean? It means that you're transformed from the inside out. You have a lot of knowledge about Jesus, but no relationship with him. Your heart has never been made alive in Christ. And for some of you this morning, I sense it right now in the room, you're recognizing this. And you're recognizing not just the absence of that relationship, but the desire for it. And here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna get you to bow your heads just for a moment. And I I wanna, I want you to think about life. I'm gonna ask there be not to be any movement. We got some decision encouragers that are getting in place, but I want us just to be settled in this room. And for those of you in this room this morning, you're at that place, you're uncertain of a relationship. You don't know that you know him. You don't know that you have eternal life. And listen, let me tell you, listen to this. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have eternal life. And so for some of you, there's a big question mark in that relationship. Are you know, according to what Jesus says, eternal life, you're like, I don't have that. Then here is the great news for you. Today, you can begin that new relationship. Today, Jesus can give you life. And here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do. Right now, where you are, if that is you, you're sensing this need and you want a relationship with God, I wanna lead you through a prayer. And here's what I want you to to understand. This prayer is just me helping to give you language of what's happening in your heart right now. It's me helping you articulate to God what you're feeling in your heart. And so, I want you just to express your heart to the Lord in this moment. I'm gonna give you some words that'll help you. So right now, if you're in this room, you're just like, I don't have a relationship with God or I don't know that I have one, but I want one. I want life eternal that's found in him and him alone. I am tired of of living a life and I wanna turn to Jesus. Here's what I'm gonna get you to do right now. I just want you to pray this simple prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I need a relationship with you. I need eternal life. I need you to make me new. I repent of my sin and I believe that you died and you rose and you are my only hope. Give me eternal life. Come and transform me. I want you to be the Lord and the King of my life and everything in it. In Jesus' name. With no one looking around, heads bowed, I wanna encourage you this morning that if you just prayed this prayer to receive Jesus, I want you to know, first of all, if this is the genuine heart cry of your life, you are entering into a new relationship with him. Eternal life is given to you. 
And this is the beginning of a brand new journey. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. And this is gonna take some courage and boldness. We are in a full room. And listen to me, I, I don't wanna make this so easy. And I also don't wanna make this so hard. But what I wanna do is help you begin this new journey. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. In a moment, I'm gonna ask those of you, you say, I prayed to receive Jesus. I want eternal life. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet with no one looking around. Just stand to your feet. And here's why this is important. It's important because if today you're entering in a relationship with Jesus, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, you shouldn't be ashamed of them, especially if it's a good relationship. And so this is an opportunity for you just to stand for Jesus and say, I entered into a relationship with him and I'm not ashamed to say it. In fact, I'm excited about it because this is eternal life we're talking about and I began a brand new journey. And so this is standing for Jesus. And you say, well, man, I don't wanna do that. There's so many people in here. And listen, I just wanna challenge you and say this. The, the word of God says this, that if you're ashamed to confess Jesus before men, he'll be ashamed to confess you before his father in heaven. So if this is a genuine relationship, don't be ashamed. Stand and say, I'm in. Here's the second reason I'm gonna challenge you to stand. It's because when you leave, if you just stay in your seat, when you leave, if you are serious about Jesus and wanting new life in him, the enemy is gonna try to convince you that it wasn't real. And there's something about standing and stepping out in faith that says, no, it is real. And it's a memory marker in your life. The third reason is, is that there are people that are gonna pray for you and they wanna encourage you. And because this new journey is not a journey you should take alone. And so listen to me, I know some of your hearts are beating out of your chest and I'm telling you right now, the greatest decision you've ever made is to give your life to Jesus. If you want eternal life, which means a relationship with him and you just prayed or you want to begin this journey, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If today you pray to receive Jesus or you want to receive Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to right now, if you would, just stand to your feet. All, all weekend long, we have seen men and women standing to their feet. Stand right now. Stand to your feet. If you, tonight, or today, pray to receive Jesus, stand to your feet. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Thank you. I see you back there. Yes, sir, I see you right here. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. I see you back there. So proud of your brother. Anybody else, you're not standing alone. There are others standing right now. I'm gonna give you a moment. Some of you are it's just taking courage. You say, I'm not ashamed to say, today I pray to receive Christ. Thank you so much, I see you. This is the greatest day of your life. Here's what I'm gonna get you to do right now. For those who are standing, I want you to look up at me. Just look up at me right now, eye contact right here. I wanna tell every single one of you, I'm so proud of you. It takes courage to do what you just did. It takes so much courage to stand up. But here's the great news. Listen, I know this is uncomfortable and it's awkward, but listen, we're talking about eternal life. Jesus died and he resurrected and he's made you new today. He's made you new today. He's made you new today. Everyone up here, over here, over here, he's made you new today. And we wanna celebrate that with you. So here's what we're gonna do. If you're standing, I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. Do you see these people standing in the aisles? I want you to slip out of your seat. If you're with a parent, um, grab the hand of your parent or a friend. I'm gonna get you right now just to slip out of your seat. I know, come on, let's right here. Um, we need one of our encouragers over here. 
just slip out of your seat. What, what's gonna happen with these encouragers? They're just gonna pray for you. They're gonna give you some resources and help you begin this new journey. Listen, they, these, are, these are men and women who wanna just love you as you begin this new journey. If you're standing alone, grab one of your friends. You say, the person next to me, I don't even know their name. Grab their hand anyway and say, come on. Praise God, all over this room. Is there anybody else? You say, man, I, I want this, but I didn't stand, but I, I want it. Right now, just stand to your feet. Slip out of your seat and come. So listen, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing a song of worship. And there are some of you in this room, listen, you have Jesus, but you have not been walking with him. Maybe today is a day where you're remembering what Christ has done and you need to re, re, return into that relationship. Ask Jesus to rekindle that fellowship and friendship with him again. And so as we worship and sing, if God is doing something in your life as a believer, if you need prayer, if you're going through a season of difficulty, man, we have people that are standing up here and they wanna pray for you, you can come to this altar. But listen, let's worship the resurrected king. And if Jesus is doing something in your life, don't just stay in your seat. Like, like come and be prayed for and, and let other brothers and sisters walk with you in this thing that God is doing in your life. Father, we love you. We pray now in the name of Jesus, move in this place. Lord, we ask that you have freedom. God, thank you for changed life. Thank you for eternity shifting. And I pray for what you're doing in the hearts of others in this room. Give us freedom in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's stand to our feet. And as we do, let's put our hands together and celebrate.